You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. Now, I don't want to cause any... uh problems in your families or your households. I don't want to cause any gender wars this morning. I'm sure some of you have had some difficulty maybe in some conversations with your extended family this week, but I do want to mention this as we're talking about maybe just for some amicable debate in your families or in your friends, but have you ever noticed that the personification of wisdom in the book of Proverbs is a woman? Well, I figured, I figured, ladies, that that would be exciting to you. This, does, guys, does this come as any surprise to you that wisdom is personified as a woman in the book of Proverbs? I mentioned earlier in this series about a book that was written years ago that was printed annually for about 10 years straight called the Darwin Awards, and it was basically given and written stories about people who did really foolish things, uh, so foolish that it oftentimes ended in their deaths. What I failed to mention is that 88% of those stories were about men. So now we're just back to the fact that it's no wonder that wisdom is personified as a woman. So again, I don't want to cause you any issues, any identity problems, or any kind of arguments in your house, but it's just what the Bible says. So today we are continuing in our series on Proverbs entitled, Where is the Wisdom? And I want you to notice starting off in chapter one as we're digging into the book of Proverbs. I'm trying to, in in my mind, help us to not only read God's word, but to read the book of Proverbs particularly, specifically, so that we can understand that this book is written to us and given to us to help us have practical understanding of how to live our daily lives in a wise manner. And this is where in chapter one, wisdom is embodied and characterized as a she. And this happens two other times. It's in Proverbs chapter eight, which we'll mention in Proverbs chapter nine. But wisdom is seen as a woman who is calling out in the streets to anyone who has listening ears to hear. And the implication being this, that those who fear the Lord will pay attention to what wisdom, to what she is saying, will pay attention to her speech and will follow in her path, which is the path of wisdom. The reason she's calling out in the streets, why why is wisdom calling out in the streets? Why is she calling out? Because it's very indicative of this is where everyday life is going on. This is where business is going on. This is where you're meeting with your friends. Proverbs isn't some lofty thing for us to figure out to do in the church. No, it's to hit us in the street level of everything that we do. So calling out Monday through Saturday, wherever you are in the streets, in all of your relationships, in all of your interactions, wisdom is saying, follow me calling out in everything that you do whether it's leisure work fun just all of life and of course we know that ultimately true wisdom comes from the mouth of the Lord though the mouth doing the speaking is personified as a woman she's speaking on behalf and in the name of the Lord 
It's helping us to have a better understanding. This is coming from a relationship because if it's some sort of ethereal thing like wisdom's just something out there that we can't grasp, no, it's personified as she speaking so that you can understand you're supposed to relate with wisdom as you relate to the Lord. And he is the one that is doing the speaking. So if you have your Bible, Proverbs chapter two, and we're gonna read from that so that we can understand that it's the Lord speaking to us, personified as wisdom speaking to us. Proverbs 2, verse 6 and 8 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Personified wisdom gives us insight into the heart of the Lord, who he desires that we would be. What he's saying, but we see this as she's calling out in the streets. What God desires that we would all turn from our own ways and follow his path of wisdom. Through listening to wisdom's voice, we are able to encounter the character of the Lord and then reflect the temperament and the ways of the Lord in our lives every day in every situation. I want to keep reiterating this over and over again. This is not some sage knowledge that I just store away in my life. This is something that I do in every decision, that I listen to the voice of the Lord calling out as she is in the streets, follow the path of wisdom. So then in Proverbs 8, this is the second instance of the female personification where wisdom gives this lengthy monologue, if you will about what it means to listen to her voice of wisdom, to walk with her, and what we achieve when we do so. This is what we would all hope to achieve. Everybody, I think, would want what we achieve by listening to wisdom, and it's this, the favor of God. Do you want the favor of God in your life or not? Proverbs 8, verse 32. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me. It's just over and over again. Watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. The doorway of what? Wisdom. For those who find me find life and receive what? Favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Wisdom's call, as I said, is first seen as she's calling out in chapter 1, verse 20 through 23. Then again, she's calling out in verse or chapter 8. And then again, in Proverbs chapter 9, verses 4 through 6, we see lady wisdom and is seen as the antithesis of the adulterous wife who is also calling out in the streets. She's calling out in the streets as well. Why? Because everyday life, you're going to encounter two choices, and that's all that we're given. Our personification here is to help us understand that these are going to happen in everyday relational aspects. One personifies wisdom, the other personifies folly or foolishness. So we could summarize the last few weeks of this series this way right now. Those who listen to her, wisdom, demonstrate teachability. We talked about teachability. The teachable person loves to be corrected. 
We already talked about nobody really seems to be wanting to be corrected in life, right? But the teachable person, the wise person, loves to be corrected. Why? Because subsequently we increase in learning when we're corrected. And those who accept instruction and increase in learning demonstrate that they fear the Lord by constantly saying yes to God and not no to God. That's how he summarized really the whole thing that I've been talking about and what I'll reiterate again today. That we're on the path of continually becoming more and more wise by doing these things. When we walk this way and talk this way, apologies to Run DMC and Aerosmith, but we will grow in our knowledge of the Lord. We will receive favor from God when we follow in the path of wisdom, teachable, saying yes to God, and we prove that we have a fear of the Lord by how we say yes to God in everyday life. If we were listening to a persuasive speech, and really that's what all of Proverbs 8 is, and then into Proverbs 9, this certainly qualifies as this persuasive monologue, if you will. We would have all the proof that we needed to be persuaded to choose the path of wisdom, to avoid the path of foolishness. But if that's the case, as we read Proverbs and we see this really stark contrast between what is foolish and what is wise, then why don't we all choose wisdom? But we don't. Let's be honest. None of us have actually chosen the path of wisdom in every decision in our lives. None of us. Well, let's talk about what happens when we choose the wrong path and we do so repeatedly. I'm not talking about messing up. I'm not talking about making a mistake. I'm not talking about the times that our mouth gets ahead of our brains. I'm not talking about all of that. I'm saying that what we do repeatedly, what we just read in Psalm or Proverbs says, but those who fail to find me harm themselves and all who hate me love death. So we've already heard a few times the descriptions of people in Proverbs are simply described as one of two things. We're either wise or we're a fool. We either walk in wisdom or we walk in foolishness. And the results of those actions which we see and read in Proverbs contrasted are very clear. There's an obvious contrast between wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom and folly. Righteousness and wickedness. They're constantly opposed in Proverbs. And they're the only two options we have in life. There's no middle ground This is why you read Proverbs and you see how painfully obvious the results of being foolish are. It's pretty clear what not to do. When given the facts, we're like, okay, this is an obvious decision. It's like that commercial. I was trying to Google it this morning. I can't remember if it's lotto or keno or lottery, right? I can't remember what commercial it is, but it's like set up like a game show. And it's like behind door number one is something great and then behind door number two is ridiculous like nobody would choose door number two and he's like Brenda you're gonna want to take door number one and this is the case it's like behind door number one there's life and behind door number two is death and we're sitting there going hmm and God's like you're gonna want to take door number one Brent and yet this is what's why we're why Why is Proverbs here? It's helped us to see clearly what's behind door number one and what's behind door number two. And it's so obvious. That's why it's it's hyperbolic in its language. It's basically being presented in such a way that it is expressing the ridiculousness of not seeking wisdom. They're like, this is ridiculous that you'd pick door number two. 
in helping us outline the structure of the book of Proverbs. We mentioned how chapters one through nine show us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then it gives all the contrast of whether we're following in the fear of the Lord, which is rooted in God's love for us and our love for him. That we would maintain the path of life by walking in the fear of the Lord. Chapters 10 through 30 continue with this concise, memorable statements, if you will. Contrasting statements that refer to conduct that reflects whether or not we truly do fear the Lord. Does the fear of the Lord actually affect our life? And subsequently, are we walking down a wise path in life? So what are some of the themes in this portion of Scripture? That's what I want to look at today, really just two. This portion of Proverbs, how saying this is how we can demonstrate we actually are motivated by our love for God to live in the fear of a holy God and to live wisely. Really just two things. They're hard things, but they're two obvious things where there's a door number one always before us and there's a door number two. And it's not a hard decision of which is the best door to pick. I want to say again that if we only look at the Bible as something to encourage our inner selves without having effect on our outer actions, then we've missed the whole point of the transformative power of the Word of God. The Bible is not just something to be read in my quiet time. The Bible is not just something to be read before I go to bed or when I wake up in the morning, which is a great way to start and end your day, but it is also to be lived. It is never just about what we know and what we believe because even the demons believe, but it is also what we say, do, and live because of what we know and what we believe. So Proverbs is a part of that. And what are the main areas that Proverbs tells us demonstrates our fear of the Lord in godly wisdom? What are some of those main areas in current real-life situations that you're facing today, this morning already, you will face right now as you leave and for the rest of your life? And if we use the analogy of fighting a monster within, because really that's what Scripture says, it's not what comes from the outside that defiles us, it's what comes from the inside that defiles us. So if we talk about fighting the monster that's within us, what are the two monster issues that we're dealing with? It's like a two-headed monster. So let's practically look at these two heads of this inner monster, if you will, so that we can wisely avoid it, or better yet, by the power of the Holy Spirit, put it to death. The first big issue is our big mouths. That's the big monster. I wonder how many of us, maybe even this week, caused ourselves and others undue harm or hurt because of our mouths. I wonder how many feet we have stuck in our mouths in our lifetime. Boy, I sure stuck my foot in my mouth that time. Boy, I just kept gnawing on it too. I just wouldn't take it out. Just kept digging the hole deeper and deeper. How many times has your mouth been ahead of your heart or your common sense or your logic even in our current culture let's just go ahead and add posts likes comments stories snaps ticks and talks and everything else that you can add because that's another way that we demonstrate our speech if you will it's actually one of the most easy ways to get ourselves into trouble because it seems like there's no flashback from what we do, that we could just hide behind the screen, if you will. And these are practical ways that we could determine how we're gonna use our speech today. And if we look at Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, mouth, lips, and tongue are metonyms for speech. And they clearly show us what the path of life looks like that we're walking down by what we're saying. 
Proverbs 12. And again, I'll just be peppering us with these Proverbs because the theme is very much the same. Wisdom, foolishness. Contrast of wisdom and foolishness. So as we read them, we're seeing these contrasts, these parallels, if you will. An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. You know how I read verse 19? Basically, it says we think too temporarily when we lie. Because I can get out of something with a lie for a moment. Did you do this? Nope. But we think too temporarily because God is eternal. And truth lasts a lifetime where the lie might only get you a few moments of reprise. Truthful lips endure forever. Lying tongue lasts only a moment. This life is but a breath. Even if I lived like the oldest woman in the world I read yesterday, finally passed away, 124 years old. She was born in 1897. What? That's crazy. But even then, 124 years, a breath. It's only a moment. This is just a small sampling of the enormous amounts of wisdom Proverbs gives us in relation to our speech. Do we hurt others with what we say or do we encourage them with what we speak? Another problematic issue plaguing the fool that you see running down the road of foolish speech in Proverbs again and again is the inability to shut up, right? The inability to stop talking. Proverbs says, in essence, fools run their mouths nonstop while simultaneously saying nothing of value. Proverbs 18.2, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Do you understand that listening and understanding go hand in hand? So if we're not listening, there's no way to understand. That's why it says fools find no pleasure in understanding because they don't listen. Why? Because all they're doing is talking. Proverbs 18.6, a few verses later, another one of these contrasting the lips of fools bring them strife and their mouths invite a beating. Actually, that's just a parallel. It just says it twice. The lips of fools bring them strife. Their mouths invite a beating. Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to learn? Are we willing to admit that we may not know everything about everything? Are we willing to admit that we might be wrong about a few things? And if not, it will be impossible to walk in the way of wisdom. Proverbs doesn't just tell us to listen more than we talk watch this it also encourages us to spend time with people who listen more than they talk it says take some time and let your companions be those who are also wise in their speech conversely says don't spend time with those whose speech is foolish and leads to folly proverbs even says poverty is better than foolish speech 19.1, better the poor, which would have been the lowest, most difficult way of life, better the poor whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. What is foolish speech? Foolish speech in Proverbs includes, but it's not limited to, I feel like I'm about to read something on the back of a, you know, drugs, it could cause death and blah, 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 blah. Here's some foolish speech. But it's not limited to deceiving people, gossiping, slandering, concealing violence, concealing hatred, 
speaking hatred. And you can find verses that deal with all of these actually numerable times in the book of Proverbs. Here's just one, Proverbs 10, 18. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Doesn't it just feel hard? Like, gosh, mm, man, wow, that just kind of, it's hard. That's a hard word, Pastor. And yet it's basically saying no. No, it's actually an easy word because door number one's pretty clear. It's door number two that's hard. Here's the translation of Proverbs 10, 18. Whoever conceals hatred, what does that mean? Somebody who pretends to be friendly to you and they really dislike you and hate you. See, that, that just, that just kind of jumps out a little bit more, doesn't it? That basically saying is that person, I don't care where you are, it could be church or wherever, just, hey, it's so good to see you. And then you walk away and you know you don't want to see that person and you really dislike that person and you're going to go talk about that person with somebody else. That is concealing hatred with lying lips. Spread slander is one who is divisive and spreads dissension among people. This is the way, Proverbs says, of the talkative fool. So here's how we should look at this as believers, as the church. If God has your heart, he will have your mouth too. One thing to note as you're reading the book of Proverbs, we've mentioned throughout this series, Proverbs are typically parallel opposites. Some of those that I've read are basically just compounding. It's, it's like, this is bad and this is bad. Others will go, this is the way of the fool, this is the way of the wisdom. They're parallel opposites. Or maybe in literary terms, it's antithetical parallelism. So let me practically tell you already what you know when it comes to the opposite of foolish speech. We already know this, but sometimes it's hard to choose door number one and speak wisely. Here's what the wise do. Here's the opposite of what the fool is doing. The wise speak less. Wise people are more prone to listen and intentionally discipline themselves to do so. I was thinking about this this week. I had a conversation. We were talking about something completely different than just talk and speech. It was something else as it related to the church. And, and one of the things that I mentioned was this does not happen accidentally. Nothing that we do in the body of Christ just happens accidentally. You don't give accidentally. Oh, well, God must have just debited that out of my account. Well, praise the Lord. I gave this week. And on down the line, you don't read your Bible accidentally. You don't become a multi-ethnic church accidentally. You have to be intentional about the things that God has called you to do. And one of those things intentionally as it relates to the wise is that we have to be intentional and discipline ourselves to not talk so much. The wise recognize that every opinion doesn't need to be heard or expressed. And that not saying something is better than saying something that you regret. That once you squeeze the toothpaste, it's hard to get it back in. Proverbs 10, 19, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. To me, this is us asking the Holy Spirit today and every day to help us discern in every situation, conversation, post or like, whether it's appropriate to speak or not. 
Situational awareness given to us by the Spirit of God with our words is necessary as Christians who want to walk in wisdom and see a production of righteousness in our lives. So the wise speak less. What else do the wise do? What's the antithetical parallelism here? The wise reconcile with their words instead of destroy. What if our mouths were spiritual weapons of reconciliation rather than carnal or demonic weapons of division and destruction? Proverbs says the foolish are insiders. They instigate conflict with their mouths while the antithetical parallelism of the wise is to unify people and bring healing with their speech. The wise refuse the propensity to fight fire with fire. We choose our words wisely in hopes of bringing about reconciliation, if at all possible, as much as it depends on us, Scripture says, to bring peace into a situation. Proverbs 26, 20, without a wood, without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, the quarrel dies down. It's hard to keep the fire burning when there's no wood. It's hard to keep the slander and the gossip going when the quarrel dies down. Again, if God has your heart, he will have your mouth too. If we expound on this, the speech that typically comes out of our mouths reveals the condition and the meditation of our hearts. It does not mean, as I said earlier, that we never have a slip of the tongue. Thank God, because I know I do. It does not mean that we don't at times hide our true hearts with deceptive speech in conversations, pretending that we really like somebody that maybe we're struggling with. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle with those things and go through those things because we're human and we will. But here's what it does mean, that over time, your true character will come out in what you consistently say out of your mouth. We can also see the condition of our own hearts and the hearts of other people by listening to the consistent words coming out of our own mouths and coming out of the mouths of other people. Practically, it's how we talk about ourselves. How do you talk about yourself? Well, you're just terrible. God, you're never going to amount to anything. How do you talk about other people? And I won't even start there because that could just go on for a while, right? And then how do you talk about God? Psalm 1914, I know the scripture because of a song years ago. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, God, my rock and my redeemer. Why? Because whatever is your meditation will spill out in your conversation. You know, that's, that's why sometimes it's just a good thing to take this and throw it as far away from you as you can. Because you can meditate on this stuff. And I'm not talking about bad stuff. I'm just talking about stuff that if you meditate on long enough, it's just not good. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Another scripture I know through a song. Many of us enjoy talking. And even if you don't, we are responsible to use our speech while daily living for Christ. And while daily living. And the 
The problem is, is that we're to use our speech for wisdom and for the glory of God and not for our flesh or for the destruction of people made in his image. So we need to notice what is the fruit of our lips in the lives of ourselves, the lives of other people, and our relationship with God. The second and last of our monster issues, according to Proverbs and according to our experience, is that of our temper. Our mouths and our temper. And they kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Anger and a lack of self-control is depicted as absolutely foolish behind door number two. And we all know this to be true because all of us have done things in anger that are absolutely foolish. I mean, how many times have you punched something and about broke your finger, kicked something and broke a toe? said something again out of anger that was, you know, threw something away out of a moment of anger that you wished that you had later on. We were just recounting some of those things in our family discussions over Thanksgiving and the, the one as a child where I remember my father throwing the Christmas tree out the front door because he couldn't get it to stand up straight. We've eventually brought it back in and put it back up, but I'm just saying that's how it started. We have all done things that are foolish in our anger. But this is saying fools cannot control themselves, consistently give themselves over to anger. Fools have this low boil kind of going all the time waiting to explode. You're not quite sure exactly how they're going to respond at any given moment. Irrationally, quarrelsome, dangerous to themselves and others. And I'm not talking about necessarily physically, although it could be that, but I'm talking about spiritually. Proverbs 23, it is to one's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. For the sake of time, I won't prolong this because I think we all understand this, but the antidote for anger is humility. The humble are walking in wisdom. The humble are slow to anger. The humble are quick to look past personal offenses instead of being quick to anger and joining in the fray. This might help us in moving forward. We also said if God has our heart, he'll have our mouth. But if God has your heart, let him fight your battle. The book of Proverbs is so counterintuitive to our human proclivity to defend ourselves and fight back for our rights if we're disrespected or wronged or somebody says something about us that's not true. Yet again and again, Proverbs says, be slow to anger and measure your speech before you say it. Why? Here's why. Here's why all of this matters. Here's why being a Christian and this being a part of our life matters. Here's why it matters for us as the church, the body of Christ. It's a big deal because this type of person is reflecting the character of the one that they say is their Lord who has always been throughout scripture and history and still is what? Slow to anger with us. See, if we're going to reflect God, which is the goal of Christianity and Christ's likeness, then we will be slow to anger just like he is. We should also be quick to overlook offenses of people who have done us wrong, even though your flesh says, open up a can. <laughs> Proverbs 19, 11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. James 1, 19 and 20. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This is even a major qualification for elders and pastors in the church. They're slow to anger. 
At the same time, remember, because I don't want you to hear something I'm not saying. Remember, there are things in this life that should anger us. That which God tells us it's okay to speak up about. Things that are unjust, that are sinful, that are harmful to people made in the image of God. Speak up. Speak truth. Because that is wise. The scripture in the way of wisdom is speaking this particular one, against the human tendency to become offended and angry and then divisive and hurtful in relation to others in the body of Christ and elsewhere. That's foolish speech. God wants us to want what he wants. And that is the restoration and reconciliation with people who have deeply offended him and deeply offended one another. Much like people who unwisely talk too much, Proverbs encourages us not to align ourselves with people who continually are angry and make trouble. Proverbs 12, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. The opportunity for us to exhibit wise behavior and subsequently righteousness will be endless. But learning from the character of God will help us. Psalm 86.15 says, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Exodus 34.6 says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And then God's character was manifested most clearly in the life of Jesus Christ, his son. And he is our model and main motivation to live a life of wisdom in speech and in demeanor. Because even as he stood before Pilate, he did not defend himself. Or as Isaiah 53, 7 prophesied, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers, is silent so he did not open his mouth I believe more than ever we're going to be a church that people look to in this community as to how to respond to cultural issues that are too difficult to figure out or solve on their own if we will live as people who choose wisdom over foolishness I'm telling you right now that God will use us church to bring peace and righteousness, not only in our own lives, but to the lives of those around us. Every single week, and this week was no different, we have opportunities to choose door number one or to choose door number two. And so often we choose door number two thinking that it's not gonna really matter. And yet as we read the word of God, we see that it's not just not wise. Unwise, as we said in week one, is the kind way of saying foolish. It's foolish, and it will lead to destruction for both you on the inside and those around you on the outside. It's not worth it. So if God has your heart, let him have your mouth. If God has your heart, let him fight your battles. You will need to speak, because how will they know unless some, someone tells them, Scripture says, about the gospel, about Jesus. And you will have to stand up and speak about things that God is saying is righteous and just. You have to say those things, but you say them in wisdom. And you say them in a way that leads others to choose door number one. 
Amen. One caution before I pray. You can speak wisdom and truth, and people will still be mad and upset. That's not indicative of whether or not you're speaking wisdom or truth. Because the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. So just know that when God leads us in such a way to speak wisely, to do justly, to love mercy, that he'll do so in such a way that you can stand firmly in peace with what he's led you to do and pray for the reconciliation that is going to come for somebody because of what we say and what we do. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.